Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Revelation 18. And the last time, so, all right, this is a three out of a four-part series. And if you're new to the church, you got to get the first two. You can get them for free off the website uh, because there's going to be some things that are going to be hard to digest, you know, unless you get the foundation to what we're talking about. I mean, this describes everything from the, even why there's evil in the world, from the beginning of when mankind sinned, to today, to the times of revelation, the tribulation period. It's very, it's heady, it's deep, but it's covering a swath of thousands of years. So there's just so much in here. Last time we covered the two parts, right? Two Sundays in a row of the harlot and the beast, which speaks about the corrupt spiritual, right? There's a lot of spirituality in the world, but a lot of that spirituality isn't going to get you to be with God for all eternity. You got to search for the truth, right? Jesus came, died for our sins. So you, you, the harlot and the beast are symbolisms, they're metaphors for this system that's always, in a spiritual way, tried to pull people away from God, right? Today, we're going to look at temporal Babylon. So we covered the harlot, we covered the beast, we covered Babylon, we covered so much. And this Sunday, we're going to cover what's called temporal Babylon. So in addition to a spiritual system... That tries to, listen, you see it, you see it in your own life, you see it with your friends, you know, and you, you, it's almost like there's a, you're sensing something that is pulling your friend in the wrong direction or trying to entice you. So this is this, this system on the earth because we live in a fallen creation. So temporal Babylon is everything other than spiritual, right? Our, our lives are, they're, they're spiritual, but they're also, you go to work, you have a career, you have goals, you raise your kids. That's the temporal side, everything other than the, the spiritual side, right? We're body, mind, spirit. We're comprised three in one. And this also is a system that uses earthly things to try to pull us away from God. So you got two, two, a bifurcation of two trying to pull us away from the Lord. So we have to look at that. Um, we're going we're gonna to cover that. We're going to understand that God desires us spiritually, but he also desires us emotionally, physically. He's concerned about all of us. So he's concerned about spiritual and temporal. The demonic realm follows that parallel. You know, they're a counterfeit of the things of God, and, and they desire us spiritually and, and physically too. And people who are in darkness who don't know the Lord will be used by these two systems to try to hold them in darkness. The Apostle Paul speaks about that, almost like spiritual blinders. So there's a lot going on here. <laughs> and I got to tell you, from um, I, I studied two subjects that are very interesting because I, I kind of feel like I can bring some of that to the, the message today, is I was an economics major, so I'm going to talk about some of the temporal things, right? Economics, banking, all that kind of stuff. But I also served in local government for 25 years. So I can kind of see as I'm going through this, we covered the spiritual side. I can do that as a pastor. But I also have experience on the temporal side, too. And we can talk about how that affects everything. 
So it's going to be interesting. And we're going to look at this in four parts. So jumping in, verse 18, it says, After these things, I, the Apostle John, saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So one out of four is that God has indicted Like when you go to the courtroom, you're formally charged. God has indicted Babylon the Great. Now, verse 1, the earth is illuminated with the light of this angel. This angel, you know, is, is, comes from the throne room of God, comes from heaven, and there's an illumination there. Now, I kind of look at this as the Moses model. Remember when, remember when, like we were there, right? Uh, when Moses went up to the mountain to speak with God and the children of Israel were at the base, Moses spends some time with the Lord and then he comes down from the mountain. He doesn't see it. He didn't carry a pocket mirror with him, but the people were freaking out because Moses kind of glowed. He kind of illuminated because he was in the presence of God. It wasn't Moses' glory. He was reflecting the Lord's glory. So I look at that as the Moses model. And folks, when we are with God, we might not see a glow, but people will notice something different about us. So many, so many applications here. When we spend enough time with God, especially in such a depressing world, people will notice something different about it. I call that the Moses model. B is the angel's illumination is also contrasted with the spiritual darkness of the earth. Now, remember, this speaks of a future time in the earth's history. So this is speaking about things that have happened before they've happened. And again, this was written 2,000 years ago. And we see this in real time in our culture. We need, I've been praying for this revival, and there may be some pockets of revival, you know, and there's been revivals every so many years where people start to turn to the Lord. They're, they're sickened by what's going on around them. And, you know, he's the answer. And people think 2021 is going to be so great compared to 2020. I got news for you. (laughs) I don't mean to sound like a pessimist, but I can be a pessimist with a smile, right? Because our hope is in the Lord. And more people need to realize that. When you're of the earth, you look at years, January to December. And you hope the next year is going to be better than the former year. But God doesn't see it like that. And as believers, we have to understand that God is a constant I, I kind of feel like on the earth, we've kind of reached the point of no return. And I'm hoping that more people put their trust in Jesus Christ, seeing him as the answer. Verse 2, Babylon has fallen. Now, remember, we've laid the foundation the last two Sundays. We've talked about Babylon, Babylon and globalism and, the, and the, the end run to go all the way around and then come back to sort of the Tower of Babel. We talked about that. But Babylon has fallen. Remember, this is the temporal Babylon. You're looking at, and we're going to, we're only covering eight verses today. But as we go on, we're going to see the the merchants and the shipmasters and the people who are doing uh, commerce and economic business. That whole system is going to crash. You know, if you think the stock market uh, crash was bad and all these different issues with the the fluctuation and the worth of our dollar and such and the markets, This is going to be the quintessential crash where people are going to be like, you know, Jeff Bezos is worth $200 billion. He may check his bank account and it might say zero. 
That's how messed up things are. I had a friend, I, before I was a police officer, I worked in an insurance company, and this guy would come in all the time in nice suit, dressed to the nines, and it's like, we just, we're in this small insurance outfit. And so I was starting to talk to him. He used to work on Wall Street, and he said during one of the crashes, uh, his first day at work, his, his, I guess his mentor kind of held him back. A guy jumped out the window. People will do that because they put everything, their whole stock, their whole being, and how much money they have in their bank account, and it's sad. Money is, is unpredictable. It loses value. But the Word of God lasts forever, and that's what we have to show to this world, you know? So the, the commerce, the banking, the political system has been infiltrated with evil, and God has to judge it. And this has nothing to do with socialism and capitalism. You know, when I was in college, boy, that was like 30 years ago, uh, I still remember my courses. I took Marxian economics, right? And we talked about Keynesian economics. I got a, I got a financial guy in the back. And it, it was very interesting to see the theories and the models of the economy. But if you look at strict capitalism, socialism, and globalism, without, in theory, they can work. But the problem is when you put sinful human flesh to run them, they become corrupted, right? Capitalistic system, it can be corrupted. Socialism, the early church practiced a form of socialism. I know some people would be like, that's anathema. Understand, it doesn't work in the world, but the Holy Spirit was guiding it. And, and even it was Ananias and Sapphira, they got zapped because they were messing up the Holy Spirit's work there. So hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. In theory, these systems work. But now when you put sinful people who aren't sold out with, to the Lord in charge of these systems, they become corrupted. And boy, are they corrupted. We see it all the time. Um, temp temporal Babylon became a habitation for demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, I got a lot of bird lovers in here, and I'm one of those bird lovers. It doesn't mean God hates birds, but birds are a metaphor and a symbol for evil. Remember, just like the woman and the beast and the city, they're all symbolic. You have to understand the interpretation of them. So this is my, and no one's ever taken a stab at why birds are euphemistic for evil when used in this type of uh, context, but I think I'm going to take a stab at it, is that birds, because we have, you know, we have like little sheds for horses and stuff and in a moment's notice a bird can go anywhere in a shed in a tree and literally back and forth back and forth picking up straw and twigs and all kinds of stuff mud and they make nests and they do it fast i mean they can do it before a day is up so birds have that ability now let's look at this spiritually right birds God loves birds. He created them. He feeds the birds, the Bible says. But when he uses it as, as a symbol, evil can also do that. Evil can go anywhere. They can go in a church. They could go in, uh, you know, a, a social organization. They can go anywhere and set up shop. So that's why birds are used, I believe, in this symbol. They can do it very quickly and set up a habitation. And evil has corrupted every achievement and institution of humankind then and now. So let me just go through this. I'm not going to, you can use your imagination. I mean, I've been preaching for years on this kind of stuff, but government has evil infiltrated government. Of course it has. The media, 
right? Media now is run by corporations, and they have to please their corporate overlords. Politics, both parties, corruption. I'm not a fan of either Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell. I'll give you both sides, right? Um, you, and they're in there too long. They become corrupted. They come in worth maybe half a mil, and they leave, and they're worth multi-million, including their kids and their brothers and sisters and everybody. You see what I'm saying? So that's an easy one. Recreation has become hedonistic and worship-minded, right? Some people worship their recreation so much more than God. Academia, higher education, banking, oh, that's, that's one. Um, the information, big tech, right? The stuff that they don't mind putting out, the evil that they don't mind not censoring and they look the other way, but then the stuff, I'm going to get into censoring of Christians, okay? We'll talk about that. And wait for it, Christianity. Remember I said they can come into a church? These types of, of, of situations have come into church organizations and have caused church splits. I've been a pastor for just about 20 years, and I can't tell you how many churches I've seen fall because somebody came in as a tear or a group of people and just started to divide the church. And the churches are up for sale. They don't exist anymore. It's sad. So not the true church because the, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but in the organization at times, this stuff, this type of thing can prevail. Now, let me look at this real quick because I have to talk to those of you that are new believers seeking, but I also have to reach my Bible students. So some of the things I'm going to say, some of you might be like, yeah, that's over my head, but certainly ask questions. That's why we have the Q&As. Two schools of thought here. Babylon the Great, in both chapter 17, which we covered, and 18, some say it's two different systems, or others say it's the same system with a bifurcation into two branches. One is the temporal, one's the spiritual. I subscribe to that model. So um, it's, it's an evil system. Whatever God does, evil tries to counterfeit, right? God wants to walk with us every day. The demonic realm will try to get a hold of us while we're walking. Um, we want to worship. Mankind needs to worship something. There's a God-shaped vacuum in all of us. And if some people don't worship God, they worship themselves, they worship their leisure, they worship uh, items, um, pleasure, whatever you, you can think of. So I believe it's a bifurcation of two systems. I go through these real quickly. Religious Babylon, Revelation 17, the symbol was a harlot. Temporal Babylon, right? Revelation 18, what we're going to see, the symbol is a queen, a city, commerce, Right? And again, we have we can compare that to the awesome women who are symbolized as the bride uh, in Revelation 12, right? The is Israel, uh, also in Ephesians 5, the bride of Christ. Again, it's a symbol; it's a picture of the church. So you, there's always going to be good and bad symbols. You just have to understand what is God saying here. Uh, religious Babylon, verse or chapter 17, identified with Rome, very clear. Uh, temporal Babylon identified with a port city. I'm going to come back to that. Religious Babylon, Revelation 17. The indictment is religious and ecclesiastical abominations. We've covered that. In Revelation 18, temporal Babylon is an indictment on greed, self-indulgence, corruption, economic oppression. Right? So we're going to check that out. Both branches have always existed. They've always been demonically inspired, and they've always been competing with God. And they will be very prominent and evident in the last days, which we're probably not that far from, 
I, I say to myself and my staff, how much worse could he get before God puts his foot down again? You know what I'm saying? And stops this. Because we see it all throughout the scripture. So this antichrist or this charismatic globalist is what he really is. It'll be obvious to the people who are left behind how evil the system is. And he'll have control over both systems. Now, for my Bible students, I believe that religious Babylon or spiritual Babylon falls in the three and a half year mark out of that seven year tribulation period. So right into center, um, the Antichrist or this global charismatic leader who's probably alive today, uh, he woos the world. He woos the economic, the political, right? He's everything that comes out of his tongue is, you know, he makes peace treaties. The Bible tells us that we see peace treaties all the time. He'll make this peace treaty with Israel three and a half years. He'll break it. When he turns on Israel, and countries have, right? This stuff isn't far-fetched. We've seen 2,000 years of human history, decades of history. He will also turn on the harlot who rides the beast, so the religious element. So not only will he turn on the Israelites, but he'll also turn on any spiritual movement that helped him to rise to power. Now he doesn't need their help anymore. We talked about that. So the question is often asked, is, is chapter 18 Babylon a literal city? We talked about where Babylon is today. We, I've showed you pictures of the ruins. Our soldiers, when they went into Iraq, took their own pictures of the ruins, right, of Euphrates River. Nebuchadnezzar, the walls, they're still there. That's the beauty of the Bible is that uh, archaeology and uh, paleography help to support what the Bible has always said, even before people put a shovel in the ground. Some I'm very, very excited over this stuff, you know. It's, it's, such a, it's so interesting, and it explains everything. And, and just on a side note, people say, well, how can you, you know, everything is, is coming apart. How can you have that demeanor? Because I know that the Lord is close. As Christians, we, re, we either believe what's written in this book or we don't, you know. And the more people that see the truth... They, they say, wow, God does have the answer. God's word does have the answer. And they start to gravitate towards that. Fear versus faith. It's an opposite continuum. The more faith we have, the less fear we have. The more we're in fear, the more we're not believing. So they, they don't, you can't have 100% of both. It's like a sliding scale. So Babylon, will it be rebuilt? Some Bible teachers say yes. Isaiah, but Isaiah 13, 19 through 22 and Jeremiah 51, 24 through 26 indicate that once Babylon was destroyed, it can never be rebuilt. I subscribe to that model. However, its demonic spirit will live and empower cities, powerful cities of the earth until the Lord returns. So I've been preaching on the, the political class. And it's, it's, this is a little tough because it was a recent event. But I've been preaching on the evils of Washington, D.C. for the last 15 years. So before any of this current stuff happened, listen, we don't have any power. The Lord has the power to change this, okay? We have faith in the Lord that he will affect the change. But if you look at and do a study, and I've done it for years, Washington, D.C. and Beijing, they hold immense power and control over large swaths of the world. Understand that. They almost work autonomously of the country. Okay. Interestingly enough, D.C. has a port and Beijing not long ago had a port built for Beijing so it can receive 
goods and send out goods. It's not in Beijing, but it's on the outskirts of Beijing. Now, I'm not saying that either one of these cities is literal Babylon, but what I am saying is that that spirit of Babylon lives in there. Some people are so blinded by money and control, and then they're in their 70s and 80s, and you say to yourself, and I've said, does this person realize that they're probably within a few years of dying and meeting the Lord? And we're supposed to pray for these people. We're supposed to pray for our leaders, that their heart does change before they pass away, because they're going to be judged. Barnhouse, one of the preeminent Bible teachers, said this about the situation. He said, when the Lord was here on earth, he spoke of the great hatred that the world. So here's the difference. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. But here we're going to read, don't love the world. So sometimes people scratch their heads. It's very simple. It's a contextual word. In John three sixteen, God loves the world. He loves all the people in this world. He wants them to be saved. He wants them to come out of this system. I'm going to read that in a few verses. However, in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, he says, don't love the world system. So what, what God does in his word is he says the world is filled with souls and a system that's poised against him. What God does is he separates the two, right? He says, I love the people in the system, but I don't love the system, same word is used. I want to make sure we have that completely clear. It's going to get good after this. You know, when, we, when we get into chapter 19, it's going to be so much more encouraging. I know this is almost like a college class at this point, but this is very important that we know this stuff because then we can see clearly about what's going on in our culture, in our world. So Bornhouse said, when the Lord was here on earth, he spoke of the great hatred the world, meaning the world system, had for him and his own. John 15, what is this world but a combination of religion, government, and commerce? In other words, Babylon in all its parts stands for that which Christ called the world, end quote. Now let's read, let's turn to 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And this is, even for some Christians, it's a difficult concept to, that we're, we're in this world, right? We want to be in God's kingdom, but we're in this world with all its depression and fear and disappointment and uncertainty. So we're in this world physically, but we're his spiritually. And one day he's going to set up his own kingdom, right? He's going to show the world, hey, you tried it for thousands of years. It didn't work. Now here's my kingdom. And we have to make the decision which side we want to be on, right? So 1 John two fifteen says, do not love the world or the world's system or the things in the world especially materialism. I love my house. It is just the right size. You know, I love, I'm, I have my, a basement. I'm making it a man cave. I'm putting workout equipment in there. I love my home. It's not real big. It's not big. It's, it's just what I need. And I feel so comfortable in my bed. The head lifts up and down and like I can sleep well, but it's temporary. So I enjoy it while I'm here, but I don't love it as if the Lord says he was going to come tomorrow, which he didn't say. I'd be like, I could leave it. Bye. I'm going to be with him and his kingdom. You see the difference? You know, we're not weirdos. We don't predict the end of the world and then stand. And cults do this. And many people over the years have lost their homes, their businesses, and their dopey leaders said, oh, Jesus is coming back today. And they all look up. 
And they're looking, and the sun goes up, and the sun goes down, and the sun goes up again tomorrow, and they got nothing. And, you know, I, I know it's humorous, but you know what's really sad to those people who follow those cults? And there's more of them than you can imagine. We don't do that. The Lord decides when he's going to come back, and he wants us to continue to bring people to Jesus or be a light somehow until he returns. It's that simple. Okay, so... <laughs> And I had some caffeine before I came up here. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> it's just making it worse. All right. If anyone loves the world, your heart is for the, just everything here. The love of the Father is not in him. That's a powerful statement. This is written to Christians. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides the forever. Amen? Good stuff. That's comforting. So, continue to keep in mind that this is a system that happened from when sin entered the world to today to a near future, but we're closer to that than we are to the beginning. So, on the scale, we're, 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 close to, we're closer to this over here. Verse 3, wealth, luxury. How does wealth, luxury, and fornication with Babylon, what's the connection? Because we all have the ability, and we shouldn't, to worship money. We all have the ability to harm others financially because of greed, selfishness, stinginess with resources. If you want to get to the top, other than hard work, or you want to get to the top quickly, the demonic realm will help you get there. But it usually will be on the bodies of others. Count me out on that one. When I worked in the world, the worst time, guys got along. Things were great, and then promotions came up. And promotions brought the worst out in everyone. Some people worship that next promotion. Something to think about as a Christian. Maybe God doesn't want us to have that promotion. Maybe the Lord's provided for us, you know, and, and I had to see that too. I'm like, I don't want to get in this rat race. You know, it's, it's, it's not, I want, to be, I want to be a light here. So you got to pray about that one. It's not bad to be promoted. Maybe in your situation, you know, so you have to, everyone has to look at their own lives and see the scenario in what they're doing. How many people, raise your hand, how many people have watched the show Shark Tank? A lot of you. <laughs> For those of you that haven't, it's an interesting show and it's, it's in theory. One of the things I love about our country is in our system, and you see on Shark Tank, somebody goes up and they develop a new product. They go to the patent office. It's a great system, so nobody can steal their idea. And then on Shark Tank, they go before these literally millionaires and billionaires, and they have to sell them on their product to give them more money to continue their operations. It's, it's fascinating. Then they'll show you, like, two years later, one of the sharks helped them out, and, uh, you know, they do really well with their product. Again, one of the things I love about our country is you could start poor, but if you work hard and you have a good idea, you could make it to wherever you want to make it. Just do it honestly. So there's one character, um, one of the sharks. His name is Kevin O'Leary, and he calls himself Mr. Wonderful. I really hope it's an act. And I've heard him say a few times, I love money. Now, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money is the root of all. Now, remember, having money is not a bad thing. I know people who are millionaires who... They don't let it corrupt them, which is, that's a gift, right? Others don't have anything, but 
they're always um, lusting after the win, you know, winning the Powerball or you know, getting rich or no matter how they have to do it. So it's interesting. But it says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced them through with many sorrows. That's powerful. Here's another one. Second Timothy 3, 4. In the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's the what can I get attitude. What can I get? The individualism, you know, what can I get out of my family, out of my friends, out of my, my company? They love, they love pleasure. They're, they're hedonistic rather than lovers of God. Verse 4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, right? This Babylonian system, which goes w- way back. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. So two out of four is mercy, even at this late hour. Remember, this is a future occurrence. And that's enough with God. He's seen enough and he's going to end this system. So even the few people that, you know, maybe they're, they see this global leader and, and he sounds very charismatic, but they're getting a sense of discernment that he's not good. And maybe somebody has told them one of the tribulation saints about Christ, right? And they're considering it. And God, you know, I always say this in the Bible, sometimes we read something and it doesn't really affect us, but it, it's for the people who are left behind. Because there's going to be Bibles everywhere. Because the true church isn't going to be here. So, this reminds me. So, two out of four. God's mercy even at this late hour. Come out of her lest you receive of her plagues. Remember Lot and his family. Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Adma and Zeboim. There were four cities on, on the plains. And God was going to judge those cities for a variety of reasons. And he had... The angel um, tell Lot and his family, listen, you got to get out of there because destruction is coming. Anyone who was righteous, any person who was left, he called them out before he destroyed in his judgment. And the the ruins are still, I believe, in, uh, say, Jordan area. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but... I've seen the pictures of it. It's, it's salt. I mean, it's, it's charred. It's even now, thousands of years later, nothing's really built on it. Again, more, more archaeology. But Lot and his family failed. They were supposed to be a light in that city, and they failed. They became corrupted like the city, but God in his mercy still told them, you have a chance before judgment. Get out of there, Right? So you see, you see parallels here. In Revelation, you're looking at the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. They allowed the city to change them. And you know what? There's an application there. Where are we? In our family structure, at work, maybe uh, hobbies that we have, um, friends, social club. Are we allowing negative or ungodly people to uh, influence us negatively push us away from God, or are we trying to be a light? It's not easy, folks. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you everything that the Lord asked us to do is just wonderful, you know, and it's just so easy. A lot of times it's difficult, but you can make an application today. You know, who do we affect? Are they more affecting us negatively or are we affecting them positively? Because influence, I believe, is never static. It's always dynamic. It's always going in one or the other direction. So... God's mercy shows his love and 
again, does today people are affected by the world. If Satan can't get us in a spiritual way or people, he'll try to get them in a temporal way. He uses both. I believe when he's saying to come out, he's, he's also speaking about a spiritual coming out. The world is just so decadent. Um, you know, probably, listen, in a lot of countries today, it's illegal to become a, to be a Christian. You can't, you can't even build a church. You can't even have a home group. It's just illegal. So maybe this will get, will increase even more and more in this period of time where it's actually illegal to be a Christian. You know, temporal Babylon is worldliness. Verse six, he says, render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she mixed, mix for her double. The cup is a picture of judgment, right? In the measure that she glorified herself, remember, she's not an actual person, she's a symbol, and lived luxuriously in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I am no widow, and will not see sorrow. So three out of four is final justice. Babylon, the system, and those who prop it up will be paid double for their works. In Exodus 22, remember, Revelation pulls from all throughout the scripture, is that if you stole from someone, you had to make double restitution. That's in the law. So looking at this, you can make an inference that it's dishonest gain. It's corruption. It's not merely having wealth. It's corruption. Now, there's two caveats that go with that. It's okay to have wealth, but is it dishonest wealth? Right? When uh, Zacchaeus came to, to Jesus Christ, right? He, he was hanging out up in that tree, and he came down, and Jesus is preaching, and he pretty much throws himself at the Lord, and he wants to follow the Lord. And he says, basically, um, if I have defrauded anyone, right? He's looking at his past. There should be a conviction when we come to Christ that the way we've been going, we have to change. I think he said, help me on this one. If I've defrauded anyone, I will pay them, repay them fourfold. It's either twofold or fourfold. I think it's four. Either way, he was willing to look inside of his heart and make good because his life changed at that, that point. So dishonest gain, right? Two, even, even those of us who maybe are middle, middle class, I mean, how are we with our resources? The Bible says if you see somebody suffering, struggling, if they're hungry and you say, oh, yeah, uh, be well-fed. Well, they don't have any money for food. Be warm and well-fed. Well, they don't have any money for a coat in the wintertime. So even for those of us, we can say, well, I'm not a millionaire. It doesn't matter. We're all called upon to help those who are in a tough time and with little resources that we have. So that's important. Um, if you look at some of these billionaires like Bezos, Bloomberg, Zuckerberg, one day they will stand before the Lord. I don't know if they made their money honestly or not. I don't know them. But God does, right? So these are important things. Verse 7, going back to Babylon metaphorically as a wicked queen, she lived luxuriously in self-indulgence. She loved the world. She worshipped materialism, the system. I sit as a queen, right? Pride, haughtiness. Nothing can touch me. I'm insulated. I am no widow. I won't see sorrow. The false impression of being insulated. And a lot of people live like that today. So I want to just take a break for a moment and just talk about this Babylonian system because we have to attach 
what the Bible says and make an application to what we're seeing in our world. A lot of people say, you know, and you've heard this on, in the media, and we should always do our own research, whatever you hear or see on TV. The Russian oligarchs, right? You've heard that? There's Putin, but there's all these Russian oligarchs, and they have a hand in controlling him, or they at least counterbalance him, right? Folks, make no mistake. We're living at a time in the United States where we have our own oligarchs. They're billionaire oligarchs. And we're seeing a lot, and we've seen a lot in this past year, and, and things, changes are coming so fast that it'll make your head spin. This is the system, right, that's starting to change. It's starting to turn. And there are people pulling the strings. And you can vote, and you can elect people, and why is it that... Some people are elected, they get into office, and then they start voting against what the people, what they promised the people that they would do, because there's other people pulling their strings. There was a documentary on Washington, D.C., and in the halls of Congress, there's lobbyists and special interest groups all day long knocking on doors, boop, 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 boop. Hey, we're from so-and-so. We helped you get into power. We want this legislation. And there's a lot of things that are being passed that have nothing to do with us. You see what I'm saying? It's a system. So you might have looked back last year and thought you knew what last year what it was about. But if you're reading the scripture, you know what last year was about. It's about getting us all on the same sheet of music and moving towards this globalist system. It's very aggressive, right? And it's going to lead to, how, you know, 12 years ago when I taught Revelation, I'm like, how could people be so, I did use the word stupid, that everybody follows this one guy, well, now I know because we're already being moved in that direction, folks. Here's another thing. It's, it's almost like psyops in the military, you know, psychological operations. We're, every time you turn on the television, they don't report the news anymore. They give their opinion on what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe. I'll give you an example, right? In 2020, in the early part of 2020, with the COVID outbreak, outbreak. Everyone looked at the cops as heroes. They went in with their masks. They were getting infected. They were infecting their fellow and also medical people and, and, you know, a whole bunch of other people who were being even kids um, at the food store. Right. But let me just focus on this one thing. Early 2020 law enforcement were heroes. Somehow in late 2020 law enforcement were all murderous thugs. Lately, law enforcement's good again. They're heroes. Does your head spin when you see this? This is done on purpose. It's to get you to a place where you, and you actually, and I know people, they're like, they come to me, Pastor, I don't know what I should think about this subject. Well, what does the Bible say? What is the Lord showing you? Turn off the damn television. And I've said that. And I can talk to some people and I can use scripture and they're Christians and they're arguing with me. I'm like, listen, this, this phone call is not going anywhere. Believe what you want to believe folks, but it is, it's, it's all been designed to make us unstable. And here's another thing, big tech, heavy, heavy censorship. I'm not even going to talk about the left versus right. Let me put that aside. You know, the Christians are being censored. Christian ministries, they can't get any airtime. They can't get on YouTube. They call out cults and false religions, and that's considered hate speech. No, it isn't. You didn't Nobody, no, no true Christian wants to hurt anybody. But if you're seeking spirituality, we want to know why Jesus is the way. So even debate and apologetics is considered hate speech. It's censored. 
So it isn't okay. I have friends who are liberals, conservatives, and libertarians. If any one of those three were censored, I would have a problem with that. Because you know what they do when they, they ostracize one group and they marginalize them? Then there's the rest of the group, and they go after them until everyone is thinking the same way. Do we, are we seeing this, folks? This is what's going on in our country. Listen, 10 years ago, this would be considered conspiracy theory. You can read it for yourself. It's there. You know, I can go on um, uh, Google Chrome, uh, Microsoft Edge, DuckDuckGo, put in something, a search engine, and I will get three different results. The Great Hack, um, Social Dilemma. These were all documentaries on how we're being manipulated by technology. Christians, we need to have our faces in the Bible. We need to be praying because as Christians, if we don't know what to believe, we're just as bad as everybody else. And it's, you know, it's not easy coming out with this stuff, but, you know, it's everywhere. Here's, here's one. When you go on, and I go on the news sites, right, and you look at the main article, they want you to see front and center. The main, this is what they want you to see for this month or this week. I'm the type of guy that scrolls down 15, 20 stories. I find the one at the bottom that I'm like, I say to people, have you seen this? No, I haven't heard it because they bury it, right? Search engines, all that stuff. Here's one business. Now I'm going to use a variety of left and right leaning sources here. These are actual articles. Business Insider, quote, this is the article. A black Google employee was told by her employer that her Baltimore accent was a disability and later fired. Could you believe that would come from Google? Aren't they woke? They're woke until it affects their pocket. So I wouldn't have a problem with that, but apparently they do. Maybe some of their haughty higher-ups don't like that accent. Maybe she doesn't fit in with everybody. Go look it up for yourself. Everything I say, you can vet me. Here's another one. CNBC, quote, how Amazon prevents unions by surveilling employee activism. Wait a minute. Income inequality? The worker? Don't we hear them preach this stuff all the time? It's virtue signaling. They say it with their mouth, but they don't do it with their actions. Jeff Bezos is worth, I think the only person who might be richer than him is Elon Musk. Jeff Bezos is worth over $200 billion. He can't help his employees out and make work, working conditions. You're laughing, right? He can't make these conditions a little bit better. He can't part with some of that money he's got and stop making so much money. Listen, I don't care about Bezos. I don't like him or dislike him. I don't know anything about him. I'm just reading the articles to you. So they actually surveil their employees to see if they're talking about unionizing. That's creepy. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go a little bit longer here. Politico, quote, Black Lives Matter power grab sets off internal revolt. Let me tell you what that's about because I've been following that story. Again, take the politics out of it. I'm not here to talk about politics. There were billionaires who were pumping money into the BLM organization. They liked the part about the disruption and the weakening of local government and all that kind of stuff. They liked that. When BLM seemed to achieve the goals that the people up top wanted them to achieve, they started pulling money out of the bank account. You, you follow this, Bryce. You're very expressive. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. If you haven't heard of any of the three articles I just talked about, you really need to read your Bible and you need to really start being suspicious of everything you see. See, Christians used to be the minority party. We used to believe in the things that, even when it came to slavery in our country, 
It wasn't popular when Christians were saying, this is wrong. But finally, everybody got on board. Today, Christians are going along with the majority because they don't want to be ostracized on Facebook. Have we become the, the church of, of cowards, you know, or, or are we going to stand up for what we believe? Are we going to say, pump the brakes? They're moving us too fast in this direction. Let me think and pray about that and see what the scripture says. So with the BLM situation, these certain, <laughs> these certain global oligarchs that live in the United States but are not loyal to the United States, they're, they're global people. Watch this. When you have that much money and power and you don't know God, you think that you were destined for greatness. You, you think you're destined. It's psychological. You're destined for deity. So now uh, a guy like Gates, who's a computer guy, thinks he's a medical doctor. He's telling everybody what to do with, regarding vaccinations and stuff like that. These people don't stay in their lanes. They think it's their mandate because they're so powerful. They all meet in Davos, and they have these little meetings that a lot of people know about. And they decide how they're going to change the world. You, anything I say, you can vet it. Go back, pause me, open it up, take a look at what I'm telling you. And if you don't see it in one search engine, move to another one, okay? Because that's what's going on. So the bottom line is this, is that we have to, for us to get, and I don't say us as Christians because we don't buy this stuff. For us to get, as the United States into this globalist movement that sets up the infrastructure for the Antichrist to sit on. Again, I didn't see this 12 years ago. I'm just being honest with you. Not a prophet. Everyone has to think the same way. And again, this isn't political. Democrats and Republicans are being told how to vote on certain issues, certain bills, right? And they have to get in line. It doesn't matter what their constituents said when they put them into the Senate or Congress. So for us to get there, we have to think the same way. We have to vote the same way. We have to bank the same way. We have to follow the same uh, organizations. And guess what? Everybody's doing the same thing. And that's how we get there. The United States is one of the last countries that has to be broken down because we have our Bill of Rights. We have too much sovereignty in order to take us down a few pegs to move into that system. If you have a problem with anything I said, I'd be more than happy to sit down with you and we can go through these articles. So, hey, that's it. I mean, that's, that's the deal. Last verse, four out of four, is this. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. So four out of four is ultimately good wins over evil. The plagues will come in one day burned with fire. That's a symbol for it's happening so swift, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to happen so swift. And then we're going to see next Sunday how the, the merchants and, and the, the economists are freaking out over this because God's just going to go, he's going to pull, flip the switch and it's all going to be done. And can I tell you something? We've been put this put the Bible aside because I know I have skeptics. You can look at some of these economists. How many times have they been warning us? We can't keep running up trillions of dollars in debt. Economics major, right? Deflation of the value, or excuse me, devaluation of the dollar, inflation, hyperinflation, destabilization of the economy. That all comes with this. What's the number? 25 trillion, 30 trillion, 35 trillion. Eventually, if you did that with your credit card, 
They'd be, they'd be taking your stuff in your house. But the government can do it. Just keep printing money. That leads to problems. Trust me. So this is going to be a crash that, like, no one's ever seen. The world won't be able to recover from. Um, and I just say this, John three sixteen. Here's the alternative. Now, sometimes I preach a comforting message. It's, it's massaging. It feels good emotionally. And you just want to come to the Lord. And it's the truth. I'm not making it up. This one's a little tougher. However, some people are hard. And they need to hear this to see that what, you know, and I did this too. Well, let me just, I've heard Christians when I was in college. Well, let me just get through college. Then I got a new job. Well, well let me just get established. I was one of those people. And then eventually God got a hold of my heart. And I did it. I blew it off. I delayed it. And I don't fault anybody, but don't do it until it's too late. You need to come to the Lord. For God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For strong is the Lord who judges her. And again, I have Christians that are struggling with this. It's, it's tough emotionally, but the Lord, all this means is that it's, it's closer and closer. Folks, the Babylonian system is right under our noses. We're seeing it on steroids today. But God's system, right? Daniel's prophecy, all the kingdoms that Daniel saw, these, you know, the last kingdom of the Antichrist, and then this stone comes out of nowhere, uncut with human hands, this avalanche, this mountain, and it crushes all of the old kingdoms. And it's Jesus Christ, and it said it filled the whole earth. And that's what we look forward to. So if you're having a hard time, this is what we look forward to. And the good news is, in a few Sundays, we'll be in Revelation 19. We'll see that. Um, we don't live in fear. We trust in the Lord. We're sober about the state of the world. We're able to help our friends who don't know the Bible to understand this. And I tell you what, when you start explaining it all to them, just use um, wisdom on that one. You know, bring, bring it down to somebody who just, who doesn't know anything. And you're calm. They, they, they feed off of that. They want that too. So therein lies the balance. God wants us to understand the times we live in but he wants us to live in trust and not fear. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have Children's Church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.